Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. On today's show, we're looking at the best fits for some of the rookies on offense around the NFL. And we're not just talking about early picks or offensive rookie of the year candidates. We're looking at those deep sleepers for dynasty leagues, redraft leagues, or even some guys on the back end of your favorite team's roster that might end up winning you some games on Sundays. As always, we're going to kick things off with a couple of questions of the day. One for me, one from the listeners as well. So Trevor and I are excited to keep things rolling all summer long. Let's ring the bell. opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange. I'm Connor Rogers. That is Trevor Sikama, and we have a fun show for you today. We are talking about best fits for the offensive rookies in the NFL. This is not offensive rookie of the year. It's not defensive rookie of the year. These aren't the guys that were called for the most part in the top 50 picks. These are players that you're going to want to circle for your dynasty drafts. These are players that you might want to circle as waiver wire pickups in your redraft leagues. Or these might be guys that you just want to watch in preseason. When the second half is on, people think to shut off the TV. Uh, these are guys that deserve more love. So, Trev, how are we feeling, man? What's going on? Whew. Feeling good, brother. Feeling good. Look, I feel like we have to give people a little bit of a peek behind the curtain because there were so many people who were tweeting at us after the Rangers oh won Game 7. And they were like, oh, the opening to the pod tomorrow is going to be flames. And we had already recorded it. So, obviously, people listened and <laughs> they were like, sweating. oh, they already recorded it. But... I saw the video that you posted on your Instagram of you you basically like collapsing in yeah. happiness when they scored that overtime goal. Overtime game seven, buddy, that must have uh, must have been a, a unique feeling of emotions right there. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been there, going back to the Derek Stepan goal against the Caps, and that was a long time ago. And um i didn't i really didn't know that my girlfriend was filming me so that was a that was a natural and it's funny so many people wrote back to me they're like i've never seen you like the people i worked with for a long time like i've never seen you like this about anything in life and i was like rangers playoffs and that's pretty much it rangers playoffs like if the mets are in the playoffs i definitely forget that's my standing spot like against that ledge near the yeah, stairs yeah, yeah, right the right <laughs> uh i just fell to the ground because this is the most stressful thing they looked awful for most of the game but that's hockey, dude. That's hockey. And we roll We roll on. The Stock Exchange Conference Finals dude, have life. The dream lives on. It was so fun. I was cracking up when you sent me that video because you had you did you did what every everybody does when they're watching their team stressfully in yep. a in a some sort of probably postseason event. Your legs were spread. Like you you like you had a super wide base. Yep. You had you had like nervously rolled your shorts up a little. You had yeah, like people think I had pants on. And then <laughs> That's a nervous habit. You know, you knew it right away. You oh, rolled the shorts, yeah, dude. Yeah, because you're just like you don't even know you're doing it. You're just fidgeting. Nope. You're just you're just you're just stressed. And then of course the hands go up. It was an incredible goal. Uh, and like you said, the Eastern Conference Final dream and or nightmare of the Lightning versus the Rangers. <laughs> oh my God, uh, lives on here. But dude, I'm I'm excited about this topic because you're right. And this is one that you brought to the table that I thought was a fantastic idea because we had already talked about. Offensive Rookie of the Year, guys. And we know that, as we said in that episode, it's a stat-driven award. So a lot of yeah. the guys that we've got to talk about, our favorite fits, if you will, for that award are, are guys who were picked really early because those are the players who are probably going to play right away. This episode is given a little bit more of a shout-out to those players who we love their fit with their team, but shoot, they could be a second, 
third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever round pick, no matter where it was, we're taking a look at some of the guys that we love, where they're at, and okay, maybe they won't be the biggest stars year one, but year two, year three, and beyond, they might have a solid spot on the team, maybe even become a starter. So I'm excited to dig into some of these uh, lower league drafted guys too. All right, before we get into that and our question of the day, love the oh, responses yes, about yes, toothpaste. Yes. Um, the NFL Stock Exchange is presented by Jock Market. That is Jock MKT. Stop betting. Start trading. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money while the games are happening. Basically, if you have shares of a player that night and they come out and they score two goals in the first period, those shares value is going to skyrocket. You could dump them and make money on really instantly mm -hmm. or you can hold them and see if that player's performance continues and walk out at the end of the game uh, with the shares worth much more than you bought them for all shares have a guaranteed cash payout at the end of the night deposit now with code pff for a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars on your first deposit and get a free pff edge subscription at jockmkt.com slash pff that is jockmkt.com slash pff all right. It's funny. This has become a little bit of a hockey podcast recently. A little bit. A little but, uh, bit. We, Look, it's, it's that time of year, right? And somebody, we had somebody on uh, in our YouTube comments was like, it took y'all 12 minutes to start talking about football last podcast. And then he, said, but I, but, but then he said, yeah, like, loved but it. I loved it. I loved it. And so this is, the, like I said, we, you and I have talked about this plenty. The summer is, we're going to talk plenty of football. Of course, that's going to be the most of what we talk about. But it is going to be a little bit into other sports, other interests, and of course, the question of the day, which we've already started to have a lot of fun with. We have. So, I got one that has been... This is from you. I don't know this question. I don't know what we're, we're going to do, do two today. There's going to be one from the listeners because I love how involved. They've, they have jumped into this head first mm -hmm. uh, off the diving board. I mean, it's the YouTube comments. It's the tweets. It's everything. So, we are going to get a listener one in here. But one from me, because i it's a personal reason. I need to settle this war that's been going on in my apartment for way too long. Okay, okay. First off, Trevor, are you an English muffin guy at all in any capacity? I do like English muffins. There yeah, you go. I, great. I, I, okay. I can get down with some English muffins. English muffins are great. When you are about to have an English muffin, no matter what you're going to use it for, burgers, PB&J, whatever the hell, Okay. do you pull apart the English muffin with your hands, or do you use a utensil to split it in half? How would you even pull it apart with your hands? Thank you. This is I can't even explain. Wait, okay. How do you whoa, how do you how do you even there's no way you pull it apart evenly? They're not pre-sliced. Thank you. Okay. This has been so not only did uh my girlfriend when she moved in with me bully me about this, I was like, okay, you're just like a weirdo. <laughs> All of her friends, her entire posse what? jumped on board. They're like, Yeah, you're dating a serial killer. He he cuts the English muffin in half, and I'm like, yeah, otherwise it's a mess. It's uneven when you pull it apart. Then I saw on TikTok that the right way to do it, which I don't think there's, is a fork, which whatever. I don't care what you use. If you do use the fork, you can prop it off in half. The knife is the way to go. You're using a knife anyway. If you're putting PB&J on there or tuna melt, whatever it is, you're not creating more dishes. It... Okay, I'm so glad. This is we're we're off to a really good start. The toothbrush and the toothpaste. The English muffin one was a big test. What? I'm telling you, there will be comments of people that just. I was about to say something uh, a little bit inappropriate, but they just grab it <laughs> with their hands and just pull it apart, like psychopaths. Psychotic. I don't. I don't even. I. I'm trying to think in my head. 
they don't come pre. It's, it's been a while since I've had an English muffin. They're like a li- there's like a little. It looks like there's like a slit, but they're not. It doesn't pull off even if you just caveman style pull it apart with your hands. It's a bad process, and you could ruin the the English muffin. Right. That's and there's just no I'm, need. I'm always terrified. Like, if if I get if I get like a whole bagel that's not pre cut, I'm always terrified that I'm gonna have like one hella thick side of it and one super thin side of it because i didn't cut it exactly evenly that gives me anxiety to think that somebody would be opening it with their hands risking that risking that it wouldn't be even you can be completely even if you use a knife and like you said you're you're probably gonna spread something on it anyway so cream cheese peanut butter uh, whatever whatever right i'm barbaric about a lot of things food preparation i am not barbaric like it's got to be right it's no. got to be right. Yeah, that's. I'm okay. So let's get to the listener one here from yeah, Thomas. Now I got to ask my girlfriend. About yeah, it. you need to find this out from oh, Alyssa. No, because okay. all right, all yeah. right. I, it's a bit. It's a big concern right now. Shout, it's, out, um, shout out Thomasville English muffins. Shout oh, out, shout out Thomasville. The There's go. no other way. There's the no go. other way. The like go. I could substitute the bread or the bagels with Dave's bread, but Thomas. No, yeah, yeah, gotta yeah, have yeah, it. Yeah, gotta have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. All right. So speaking of Thomas, Thomas Redman is our listener question of the day. Segue. Wow. Elite transition. Arrow. Uh, <laughs> all right. So he said for the pod, can you wear a hat and shirt slash jersey with different sports teams? I believe he's implying a team that you don't root for. Can you wear that stuff? He said, and what is your opinion of people who go to spring events? I'm assuming sporting events wearing gear for a team that is not involved in the game. I will toss this one to you first. All right. So here's my very first response is wear whatever the hell you want. Do whatever you want, I agree. I, whatever, whatever makes you happy. Like, like wear that. If you think a hat is dope, if you think a shirt is dope, wear it, be wear confident, it. love your life. That's, that is, that is my, my number one thing right off the bat. However, all of that to say, it would feel a little weird if you were wearing like a Packers hat and then like a Tampa Bay Lightning shirt. That's the rule. No, like, well, no rivals. Like, like I'm, or match. But, you got to match. But like, yeah. I, right? Like, even one, the colors got to match. I'm, I'm with you. I think the colors got to match 100. percent Or it's you're just it's 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 not a uniform look. And I'm, I'm and I'd probably be against that. Now, I know a lot of people, obviously from the Tampa area, who will be wearing like a Buck shirt and a Rays hat. Right. So it's like two Tampa teams. Yep. They're obviously a fan of Tampa sports. They're walking out the door. They've got like two different sports pairs. I can understand that. But when you start crossing state and city lines, when you start getting into other colors, other sports, maybe you should space out your outfits a little bit and uh, try to. I'm all for everybody giving other sports love. Like when I was growing up, uh, I would go to Lids, the hat store, all the time. And I, I loved buying other teams' hats. Like I had at one point, I had a Brewers hat, I had yep. a Reds hat. Uh, I think I had a Mets hat at some point, actually. Um, I had a I had an Arizona Diamondbacks hat, and that's just because I liked the hat. Yeah, but common practice. I don't think I would ever wear like Tampa gear with then like a Reds hat. You know what I'm saying? It probably spaces out a little bit. So those are, that's my initial thoughts there. So I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I do agree with, I have no problem wearing merch of teams that I don't root for. Like it's pretty well documented. Sure. I am from New York. I am a diehard Mets fan. I'm a diehard New York Rangers fan. I grew up, it was raised in the Meadowlands and I could barely walk to watch the New York Jets. And I'm a Knicks fan as much as they 
have not moved the needle for me for a very, very long time. I am a Knicks fan. Um, but I will wear, I have like some rules. I will never wear Division Rivals merch ever. I usually will not wear like conference or same league. Like if, like I'm a Mets fan, I won't wear like Dodgers, Giants, Cardinals. Like mm-hmm. it's got to be an American League team. And I haven't done this for baseball in a long time. Like for hockey, I do it. Like, I'm a huge Rangers fan. I have no problem wearing a Western Conference team that the Rangers basically never, ever run into. Like, sure. Like, I love the Ducks retro stuff. Like, I have yeah, an yeah, old yeah, school yeah. Ducks hat. Love it. Nice. Love it. Okay. It's a great gym I, hat. Yeah, now, I, I away with that. what I will say is, and colleges, I don't, like, you went to Florida. You're understandably associated to the Gators. I totally get that. Yeah. And and you, you're not a biased fan at all. I really do. But you went to Florida. Like, I went to Albany, so I don't root for a college football team. I'll wear whatever college football gear. I don't root for a college football team. You'll see Fair. it on this podcast. This season. I'll wear, like, a North Dakota State shirt and not care. Or Army, because that's where I grew I grew up close to West Point. Um, what I will say is, mm-hmm. it depends where I'm going. If I'm traveling and going through the airport, I will not wear a team's gear that I'm not associated for because I don't want to find myself in a conversation with somebody else asking mm-hmm. about it. Like I, I like oh like are you you're like a you know you're a Miami fan and I'm I don't want to find myself in that conversation. No, I just like the logo and you know what I you know what I used to do. It's funny I avoid you're talking, interaction. You're talking about traveling, doing that. What I used to do. This is more like high school me. I haven't done it in a long time, but like high school me, if I was traveling and if somebody was wearing like a St. Louis Blues hat and I was just walking past them, like I knew I wasn't about to stand in next to them to have to have a full on conversation. I'd just be like, go Blues. And, and then, like, they would, like, be like, oh, yeah, go Blues. Like, I'm so, so excited. <laughs> right. And I still so, do that all the time. I, I would I, I used to do that a lot more, but uh, I've done little things like that. Now, I, I'm, I'm with you on the division rival teams. Um, when I think about it, the Tampa Bay Rays are in the AL East. I do have a Toronto Blue Jays jersey. That doesn't bother me as much. But in my defense, it was a gift from someone who when I used to totally have fair. really long hair, they said that I looked like Josh Donaldson. Hell and it, yes. And it is you a- You do, you did, It is a Josh Donaldson uh, Toronto Blues Jays jersey, so. That's actually amazing know. and makes a ton of sense. Uh, yeah, there are definitely a lot of rules to that one and we would be here all day never talking about football if I kept on with. The last part of the question, I when I go to, places like a, t- a, a event and i'm not rooting for either team i don't wear like i don't go like i went to a mariners a's game when i was in seattle mm-hmm. i didn't wear Mets stuff like I, I just don't like doing that i get why people do it they always want to represent their team I'm, I'm, i think i'm with you i think i'm with you there i yeah i don't want to do i don't like doing that it actually annoys <laughs> me uh so speaking of speaking of and we'll, we'll we will move on to football in a second guys but uh did you see ahead. did you see the clip of when Tampa won in Toronto, when they won game seven and they panned to show the crowd outside of the stadium. And there was one guy wearing a lightning Jersey who the second the game was over, he just took the lightning Jersey off. He was like in the middle of the crowd, like in Toronto, right outside of the Toronto Maple Leafs Jersey stadium. And when Tampa won, he looked around and he just (laughs) took the Tampa Jersey off and he just started walking backwards out of the crowd. And I was like, look, man, I'm a lightning fan and I respect the hell out of it. It sucks. It has to be (laughs) that way, but that is, that is reading the room in an impeccable way. I mean, most people have been through. It was a business decision. 
it was a business decision where like it's sad that sporting events have come to this but you really you got to watch yourself in those you gotta, situations you got to keep the head on the swivel honestly. you're behind enemy lines you are and people you, you know emotions are flying and yeah God, you know it's I, just, just I don't know if you have friends like this. Stanley Cup champions won. <laughs> it's just, it's tough. It's well, tough. it's a tough, tough scene. I, I, don't, I have friends that are always like, let's go watch our team at like an away stadium this year. And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, like, I love seeing different baseball stadiums. When I was on tailgate tour for two years, I loved seeing every college football stadium, which once again, I'm not a college football fan of a team. Right. So it didn't matter. I don't want to go watch. Honestly, the Mets play the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park, like, and just be screamed at by Phillies fans for three hours. I don't want to do that. I'm not gonna have a good time. So respect right. to that Lightning fan. Let's now, move on. Now, now I have to tell this one other little. Oh story. please. Um. So when God, how old was I at the time? This is around like 2005, 2004. Oh, so you're young and. So I was like 13, 14 at the time. Uh, I'm from obviously just south of Tampa. I have family that is still in Philadelphia because a lot of my family on my dad's side is originally from New Jersey. One of my uncles uh, and a couple of my cousins live in Philadelphia. They're diehard all Philly sports fans, or the Eagles fans. The Bucks were playing the Eagles that year. And my dad was like, hey, Trev, you want to go up, go see the Bucks, go play, go see your uncle and cousins? I was like, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. And so we go, and y'all got to remember, like we're, like we're like two years removed from the Bucks shutting down the vet. And like that rivalry in the playoffs in the NFC between the Eagles and the Bucks was like heated. And it was after the Bucks had won the Super Bowl, but the Bucks had cooled down after that. And you, you remember like the Eagles continued to ascend and play in the playoffs and yeah. obviously made that yeah. one Super Bowl. So it's at Lincoln Financial. It's the first couple of years of being there. And I remember packing my Bucks jersey. And my dad was like, You gonna wear your Bucks jersey? And I'm like a 13 year old kid. Yeah, and I'm you like, don't know any I'm better. Like, I'm like, what do you mean am I gonna wear my Bucks jersey? Like I was like, Dad, we're like we're Bucks fans. And my dad's like, I ain't wearing Bucks colors. And I'm oh, like in that what? place. What? Ooh, buddy. And so I wore my Bucks jersey there. And my dad was like, you know what? You're a kid. They're probably not gonna yell at you. He's like if I wore Bucks jersey, it'd probably pour beer on me. So sure enough, uh <laughs> oh, nice. I wore my Bucks gear. Don't like this. <laughs> I got I got heckled quite a bit. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't it wasn't too mean though and funny enough to end the story story on a, on a good note i was waiting in line for crab fries which of course everybody in and around philly knows that you gotta get crab fries when you go especially to a stadium uh chow chicken pizza me and my cousin were like 13 14 15 at the time and we're standing in line and this guy behind us is a philly fan and he is giving me all sorts of shit for wearing a buck jersey he and i'm like a kid and he's like giving me all sorts of shit whatever we it's get weirdo to, behavior we by get the way. well we get up to the front of the line he wasn't being too mean about it he really wasn't he was just kind of having a good don't time talk to others people other people's kids is one of my uh pretty stern well, I, I think that that's 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 true yeah. too but we get up to the front of the line we order our food and that guy behind us steps in pays for all of our food that's and what's says, up and he said i was just messing with you guys go home to tampa make sure you tell them that not all philly fans are assholes that's all awesome. and so like that was a cool way for it to end but that's I, awesome. I just i remember my dad was like you're wearing bucks colors i'm like what do you mean of course you you're didn't get bucks. it you learned you didn't get I it did. i learned, learned that day i definitely learned i oh, learned that man. day all right let's transition that into some some real football talk so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these picks from the 2022 NFL draft from more of a long-term dynasty perspective. We're going to each bring five to the table. We call it our yeah. five favorite fits. 
we might throw an extra one in there at the yep. end to give you guys a bonus for six. The Connor wide receivers method, Alave and Dotson, 5A, yeah, 5A. You so, yeah, I forgot about that. And you are... Both you, went in the first round, baby. <laughs> you are so sneaky for that. All right, so what's your first pick here? Let's let's talk about a yeah. guy who maybe we haven't given a lot of love to yet, that you love their fit, you love their long-term outlook, wherever they are on the team. Who you got? I want to talk about Isaiah Spiller. So I just had my first uh, Dynasty rookie draft of the year, and then you and I have one this week. By the time people are listening to we this, it'll indeed. be going on. We I've told you in the past that I pick one spot in front of Trevor, so we're just doing this. This was my idea of the show, really, just to learn who he likes so I could snipe him every single round. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I, I didn't I'm, even think of that. I'm sh- <laughs> it's all coming to plan. I'm kind of shocked at how low I get the feeling is on Isaiah Spiller and I mm. I get he was a fourth round pick he was pick 123 fourth round running backs start for a long time all the time it happens I think what I like about Spiller is uh, he's he's a little bit in disguise as a guy that can be a real impact player in the fantasy world in the real NFL world because he's not a great athlete but he's got all of the things on tape that don't show up on that athletic profile and that's the vision it's the feel uh, it's the ability to make people miss, and I, he's got a workhorse body. I think he could play all three downs. And this is a team, Trevor, that every year in fantasy football and in real football, we get to some point in the season, Austin Eckler's hurt, and every fantasy analyst is going, oh, well, Joshua Kelly or Larry Roundtree, or like, who do you pick up from the Chargers' backfield? I don't have any of those questions when that happens this year. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Spiller's the guy. And I love Austin Eckler. I think he's been one of the better stories in the NFL over the last five years. A really, you know, player from Western Colorado that was an undrafted free agent that made his way into the league. He's really good as a pass-catching back that is going to need a breather sometimes and is going to get banged up at times. And it's going to be good for his long-term and the Chargers' long-term that he has a workhorse back in the backfield that can take the load off sometimes. So I'm a believer in this offense I'm a believer in the passing attack that poses as a threat against defenses that can open up some serious red zone opportunities and long-term opportunities for Isaiah Spiller. I think he's a really good investment right now. Yeah, obviously Austin Eckler is the guy, of course, is the RB1 there. But, you know, you look at Austin Eckler's stats last year, okay? He played in 16 games, 206 carries, almost had 1,000 yards, but also 94 targets, man. So, like, they they use their running backs out of the backfield. Yeah. Um, by nature because he is their rb1 right that's very built into their style the guy who was second in usage last year was justin jackson he's not with the team anymore so his 68 carries he had 25 targets those are kind of vacated larry roundtree joshua kelly were on the team last year but neither of them i mean they had eight targets between the two of them all season long and um they had 69 nice uh rushing attempts between the two of them but neither of them averaged a really solid yards per carry average like i, th- I believe it was kelly who averaged 3.1 um roundtree didn't really it didn't even hit the 3.0 mark so it's not like those guys they're are not the answer. out of the water so i think that there's certainly room for isaiah spiller to step in and kind of establish himself as that rb2 that rotational guy there so i do i i i, I like that uh, i like that call out a decent amount Spiller, for as much as I wasn't the biggest fan of him, I felt like it was more, I felt like I was more negative than I than I wanted to be on Isaiah Spiller because people were talking about him as the RB1 in this class. And I just yeah. never saw him anywhere close to that. Fourth round pick, you know, like I thought that he was probably going to be a back end of day two guy, ends up going to be part of day three. So it's a good spot. 
It really is. This is one of those things where it's like, man, he went a little bit late, later than we wanted to, but I actually like where he went. There's a path to production for him early on, which I definitely like there. My, my first pick, and I'll be somewhat quick on this one because we did talk about him in the Offensive Rookie of the Year category. I believe that I selected him, and it is Kenneth Walker, the running back from Seattle. But I had to give him a shout-out as a favorite fit because it's just so good there. Rashad yeah. Penny has not been the player that they have wanted him to be on the return on investment from him being a former first-round pick. You look at Chris Carson, and Chris Carson really has not been able to be a factor as much as they've wanted over the last two years. Played 12 games in 2020, only four games last season, and there's no guarantee that – you know, that neck surgery, that neck situation, that neck injury with him is going to be good enough for him to play long-term, even play next year. We, we don't know. Maybe it's a multi-year rest kind of a thing, and he might be able to come back um, in a year or two and be different. But even if that's the case, Seattle probably moves on from it, especially because you have a guy like Kenneth Walker there who comes from a year where one, the Doak Walker is the top running back in college football, was th their absolute workhorse at Michigan State. He was everything to that offense. And, you know, if Rashad Penny is not as explosive as they want him to be, um, I know he finished last year nice, but if he's not going to hit the ground running this year, shoot, we could see return on investment from Kenneth Walker this season. That's why I picked him as an offensive rookie of the year candidate. Year two, year three, everything there. You know, they brought back Rashad Penny, but it's not a ton of confidence there. I just, I had to mention Kenneth Walker. I know we've already talked about him a little bit, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about him as a favorite fit because for a team that just lost Russell Wilson as well, and they want to run the football, it doesn't get better of a fit than the kind of player we saw last year in Kenneth Walker going to a situation like the Seattle Seahawks. So had to make that one my first pick, even though we've talked about it a little bit already. That pick grows on me every more and more every day. I think I reacted kind of poorly to it when it happened, and the more I break down their roster and look at them and the player Walker is in that offense and the – the investments they've made in the offensive line, I, I like it as well. So my second one here, um, looking at the wide receiver position this time after talking about Spiller, Jalen Tolbert for the Dallas Cowboys. I, you know, he's so fascinating to me because he's he's a little he's kind of got lost in the shuffle of the top wide receivers in this class. He's a guy that his last two years of college each season, excellent production over a thousand yards a thousand yards each season. Mm -hmm. He's a pretty good athlete. Um, he's somebody at about 6'1", 200 pounds, sub 4'5", speed, 36-inch vertical. He he plays with good length at the catch point. He's a good route runner. I think he walks into that Dallas offense that has shown no fear of consistently using three to four wide receivers and can really carve out an instant impact role in a sense that, man, one CeeDee Lamb or Michael Gallup injury and Jalen Tolbert is a not just a factor long-term in dynasty leagues, but a factor in redraft leagues. He's a factor in 2022, this season right now. He is not a one-year one. Like, say what you want. Jamison Williams is awesome. Christian Watson can be really good. Those guys have had one season each of being productive, right? Where you get lost in the shuffle that Tolbert has dominated for two years and walks into the Dallas offense that likes to throw the ball, um, and I think he's just, it's a really good spot for him. And I think it's a really good value add for Dallas. And the fact that, you know, it's just kind of surprising to me that he was taken in the third round. Like what world is it that Jalen Tolbert goes after Tyquan Thornton and Velas Jones, I even think, and right around, you know, like after that kind of situation, I just, I'm a fan of this player. I evaluated him as a guy that could be a long-term number two. And he walks into an offense from day one where he, in my opinion, over James Washington is the number three. 
Yeah, you look at Dallas and their personnel frequency. They went with three wide receivers and 11 personnel 67% of the That's time. A, so wow. yeah. that was a top 10 number in the league. Um, you, you mentioned it. That's not even counting, um, you know, like four wide receiver sets and things like that. I'm just looking sure. at uh, personnel frequency with 11 personnel. Cedric so, Wilson and Amari Cooper out the door. Right. Cedric Wilson and Amari Cooper are gone. You figure a lot of those targets are going to go towards CeeDee Lamb. I think there's going to be a major you know, a major breakout season for CeeDee Lamb. But you're right, really the only – it's it's not like – Jalen Tolbert's not competing for, for CeeDee Lamb's targets. No. Jalen Tolbert is – right. It, it's, it, it's a different type of targets. And they brought in James Washington, who I think at his best was a deep threat receiver, but he really hasn't been that kind of player over the last couple of years. Now, he's been with Pittsburgh, and Ben Roethlisberger's arm has not been as nearly strong as it needed to be. So who knows? Maybe there's something special still in the tank with James Washington because it feels like even going back to his Oklahoma State days, that's always what he did best. But it's just a one-year deal for him. Right, So that completely has the door open for Jalen Tolbert to beat him out for those touches and those looks and those targets this year, as well as moving forward if he can kind of establish himself, especially since he is on a rookie contract and he gets to be a guy that they get to invest in over the next couple of years. So I like that shout-out as well. I think that this is a good spot for Jalen Tolbert, who went a little bit later than, uh, than, than I think that we all thought as well. I'm going to stay with the wide receiver trend, and I'm going to go with John Mechie, the wide receiver from Texas – or who went to the Houston Texans and man, when I look at this depth chart, it's wide open for somebody to take over and yep. Mechie tore his ACL in the SEC championship game. So, you know, we're still getting to that point where how much is he going to be able to play earlier on in the season? But this is a long-term outlook kind of a thing, because if you're looking at the Texans depth chart right now, it's Brandon cooks and John then... Mechie. Who knows? John Mechie. Like it's Nico Collins is there. Philip Dorsett's there. Chris Conley's there. Chris Moore is there. Deshaun Hamilton's now there. But still, man, I mean, I'm just looking at the stats that they have from last year. Targets on the team. Okay, you ready for it? Brandon Cooks, 134. Next closest was Nico Collins with 60. Didn't even, didn't even have half of what Brandon Cooks had. Nico Collins had 60. And Nico Collins is an outside wide receiver. It's not even like those 60 targets from Nico Collins have to be allocated to John Mechie. They don't. The next on targets in this list was David Johnson, running back, who had 42. And then it was uh, then it was Danny Amendola, who had 38. Those targets are the ones that I think John Mechie could get immediately as the potential starter right away in that offense. You had Rex Burkhead on the team as well, who was a uh, running back who got himself 32 targets uh jordan atkins who's not on the team anymore the tight end there with 33 uh, like it's it, I, it, it's right jordan at 20 catches he's I mean, still he's still there and i think he gets a little bit more with that sure but, but there's no there's no tight end clog there where it's like no, oh god this no. this dalton schultz kind of player is getting 60 targets john mechie to me now he did not have as dominant of a year last year as I thought that he was going to. I really thought that he was going to be able to step in with no Devontae Smith, no Jalen Waddle, and really came Jameson Williams some really good ball. Now, Jameson Williams obviously came in, and we know that Alabama was going to have a next man up thing anyways because they're so unbelievably talented. But I really did. I, I felt like John Mechie was going to lead that group, and he had some problems with drops last year. He had some concentration drops that I just was not expecting from him, and he he – kind of showed that he's not as good of an athlete as maybe he was once touted as when he was first playing as a big time deep threat for Alabama. But he got on the field early because he's a very good route runner, understands spacing, understands separation, understands the, the finer details of creating separation. I should say 
also blocks his ass off. And he is the kind of player who I think whenever he is healthy, they're going to want to get him on the field because he is a full-time wide receiver. He is not a niche guy. Yep. He is going to be able to give you, um, it sounds weird to say like three down ability for a wide receiver, but you know what I mean? Like whether the yeah. ball is coming towards him, whether he's a decoy or whether we're running the ball, I think John Mechie gives you some value. So I think because of that, he's going to get on the field early. And I really do believe that this is a great fit for him because the wide receiver room not being crowded right away allows him to kind of ease himself in and get back to form getting back from that injury. And then moving forward, I think there's just not a lot of things in his way once he's healthy for him to start getting a lot of targets there for that Texans offense. So I do, I love, I was a, I, I was a big fan of Mechie anyways going into this into the draft process. I felt like I was higher on him than a lot of people. And I love the fit of where he fell here. So um, yeah, I'm hoping he could kill it because I think he's got all the opportunity to. I agree with you. I, I got him at 2-6 in a, a rookie dynasty draft I did that I had no first round pick. And I was pretty surprised I, I, that, you know, that many that he's not a top 15 pick in rookie people drafts. Sleeping, people are sleeping on him, man. Yeah, they are. And, I, you know, maybe some of the thought is, oh, I don't believe in Davis Mills. But the best part about the Texans offense right now, if you're going to buy into somebody like Mechie or even if you're in a redraft and you like Cooks, I, I, but if you're buying a Mechie long term, if they stink this year, right, with Davis Mills, they're getting C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. So I'm, I'm kind of... Never thought I'd say this with how bad they've looked. I have some faith in the long term of the Texans' skill players. A little bit. All right. Moving on to an offense that you really don't have to worry about their skill players having success because Aaron Rodgers is there. The Green Bay Packers. I'm not looking at Christian Watson. I'm looking at Romeo Dubs. And this is, you want to talk about a wide receiver room to comb through. Alan Lazard is there. Christian Watson is now there. Mm -hmm. Randall Cobb is still there. Sammy Watkins is there. Mm -hmm. Amari Rogers is there. Then you get into the Romeo Dubs conversation. Trevor, none of those guys in front of him, including Christian Watson, who I like long term, I don't love short term. I like it. That's a to me a year two or three pick, not a year one pick. They just don't scare me in having this this spot where Dubs gets completely buried I, I mean let's be real what sammy watkins is right now uh, sammy watkins hasn't had 700 receiving yards since 2015 sammy Whoa, watkins really yeah sammy watkins has been and it's gone down he he's a guy that hovers around 500 receiving yards at best he's not on the field consistently maybe rogers unlocks something but you're talking about somebody that was in kansas city at damn one point. Yeah. like i so that doesn't, everybody keeps saying that whenever I bring up like uh, Dubs potential. I'm like, I don't really count Sammy Watkins in this. Randall Cobb, whatever. I, I think there's room for Dubs to be the vertical threat on this team. And, and maybe once again, I'm being a little rich thinking that it's in 2022. But for a fourth round pick, a guy that consistently won vertically for that Nevada offense. Uh, he's six foot two. He wasn't able to run because he was hurt in the pre-draft process. I think he has incredible deep speed. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is really, really going to like him really gonna like him down the field and i just think that you look at you look at two things very often when you're looking for sleepers uh opportunity which i think will exist for dubs and two having a guy that can get him the ball he checks both those boxes in an offense that somebody has to step up and if christian watson isn't where people want him to be in terms of being pro ready i think dubs is the next guy 
there's not a huge guarantee that a lot of these guys who might be ahead of him on the roster right now are going to be ahead of him on the roster for a while. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Where this upcoming year might be a little bit quiet for him, yeah. there's, a, there's, there's certainly a chance to believe that he's got a lot of attention coming his way over the next couple of years. So I like that shout-out as well. I like that fit. And certainly, anytime you're a young wide receiver and you got Aaron Rodgers throwing you the football. I think that that's uh that's going to that's going yeah. to be a good that's going to be a good fit no matter what. All right, we're going to get to my third, fourth and fifth picks and then Connor's fourth and fifth picks as well. Maybe give you guys a little bit of a bonus pick at the end of the episode too, but before we do that, got to tell you about our friends over at Sunday. Does your lawn have weeds, bare patches or pet spots? Any of the three? Well, Sunday can help you solve all these problems and more the easy way. They've got everything you need from fertilizer to seeds to weed control. It is all delivered right to your door. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or the nasty chemicals, which is very key. Their custom plans include fertilizer, everything you need to easily care for your lawn. And you could feel good about the kids playing around in it, the pets being out there. It doesn't have those chemicals. It just looks absolutely gorgeous, which is something that y'all know that you'll want for a summer's day you want to be driving past your house watching your neighbors watch you cut the lawn right yeah that's that's what you that's what you want i don't want neighbors you want to that's well but but that's what you gotta you gotta sacrifice it for the lawn right that's always how it goes just attach the ready to use easy to use pouch to a garden hose and spray it takes less than 15 minutes in fact i saw a picture of pff's own sam monson using the product on his uh garden hose when he was Making sure the lawn was nice and let me tell you guys. Dad life. That was not only is that Shout dad, out. that was a that was a green looking lawn. That was that was I was jealous as hell, man. We said it before when reading this ad. I wish I had a lawn to maintain. If you out there do, do us a favor and make sure you're doing everything to make it as good as possible. Sunday's offering 20% off to our listeners. Full season plans start at 129, and you can get 20% off at checkout when you visit getsunday.com slash nfl 20 percent off get sunday.com slash nfl that's all you need that's all you need to make sure that you got the best lawn on the block all right connor so my third selection i'm going back to the running back position and i'm taking james cook now they're running back with the buffalo bills this is one that has been talked about plenty. So again, we don't have to spend too much time on it. I don't think I'm going to be reinventing the wheel or breaking any news here with this selection, but it's such a good fit. This is exactly what they need. They needed a third down specialist on this team. When you look at the running backs on the Buffalo Bills, you've got Devin Singletary, you got Duke Johnson, you got Zach Moss, but there's nobody in the receiving game who can do what James Cook does. No doubt about it. You look at this team. Devin Singletary, he got the majority of the carries. He had 188 carries last year. Zach Moss had 96, so they were splitting it there. But, man, they gave 82 targets to those two guys in the running back room. And Devin Singletary averaged 5.7 yards per target, which isn't great. But, you know, you're coming out of the backfield. So, I mean, I guess you, you – be like, okay, well, I guess he's, he's coming from negative yards, so you're trying to make something of it. Zach Moss had 8, 8.6, but – all of that is well below what James Cook was able to average yeah. over the last couple of years when he was at Georgia. And he didn't have the volume because not a lot of times, especially when you look at a team that's got a heavy running back rotation, there's just not a lot of volume in the receiving back category normally in college football, especially for a team like Georgia who's so good across the board at offense. But the averages, what you saw on film, 
how soft his hands are, how precise of a route runner he is, especially this past season. James Cook is that guy that I think that they've been trying to get out of Moss and Singletary, that now they just get to play him kind of right away and let those two guys be more of the ball carriers there. So I think that not only could this be an immediate impact for James Cook, which let's see, right? I don't want to get, I don't want to put the carriage in front of the horse already. Like it's still a rookie season. He's still got to adjust. Like there's still going to be a learning curve to it. But I think long-term they're looking at this, especially like year two, year three, that James Cook's going to be their third down pass catching specialist moving forward. And on a team that is expected to be in a hell of a lot of shootouts, right? You're going to need that guy to stand next to Josh Allen in the pocket. And when things are going vertical down the field, they can say, all right, we've got a player who we have faith in. We might be able to dump this bad boy off or we get a linebacker matchup or a strong safety matchup that we really like. This guy can move the chains for us, make something happen in the passing game. So James Cook, another one where I like the situation given what they were have been trying to do, but I don't think they've had that player. They've got that player now in James Cook in Buffalo. I agree with you. I think you're all over it with James Cook. I think that even if it's not this year in an overwhelming capacity, it's going to open up in 2023 so much because they're going to let Motor Singletary walk at some point. Zach Moss hasn't been what they were hoping. I think that there's a chance that Cook is even kind of the dude in terms of carries where his reception production could be really, really big for an offense that loves explosive plays. But there's an opportunity for him to also get some outside runs as well. So I think it's it's a piece that Buffalo is going to love. They have so much talent over there. Josh Allen can extend plays. James Cook is a mm-hmm. guy that you can constantly use in an option capacity in terms of whether he's going to release from the backfield, he's going to protect, or he's going to, you know, looks like he's going to protect. He might chip and release. There's going to be a lot of space for him to for catch and run opportunities. That was the That was the right place to go for him. I'm sticking with the backfield here. And I want to talk about Jerome Ford. Now, this is absolutely one that in this 2022, is this is good, zero, yeah. zero expectations. Uh, they have Nick Chubb, duh, Kareem Hunt, Dearness De- Johnson in front of him. Now, why this is one that you do need to kind of keep an eye on at the, the back end of your dynasty drafts, Trev, is that Hunt's a free agent after this year. They're not going to pay him. Dearness Johnson's a free agent after this year. It's been a nice story. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to pay him. You don't need they to just pay him drafted. Ford is good. You don't need to. Jerome Ford's good. And Nick Chubb is awesome. But Jerome Ford being Nick Chubb's backup in a team that has an excellent run scheme, a guy like Nick Chubb that is a bruiser, he's going to get banged up. Jerome Ford, when Nick Chubb is healthy, can be the third down back. When Nick Chubb is not healthy, Jerome Ford can be a dude in a very good running offense. And he's got good bursts, he's got good long speed. He could hit the home run. Jerome Ford is the classic. I will keep him around on my roster because the weeks that he has to spell, he has to be what Dearness Johnson was at times last year. He could have some huge weeks. Uh, I, I'm with you 100%. This is a situation. It's not this year. No, and he's That's not okay. Gonna, he, he won't get any run this year, but this is why we're doing this exercise. It is a long-term look at what guys could be down the road. Okay, I had a guy, and look, I want to piggyback off of what you just said there. I had a guy at number four and then a guy at number five. I'm going to say my number five guy here because it doesn't exactly matter what order we're going to go in. Yeah, not drafting. I think that this player has a similar type of potential feel for a year two, year three, year four 
guy who could get some really nice carries in a nice situation. And that is Tyler Beatty, the running back from Missouri, going to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, you might say to yourself, Trev, the Baltimore Ravens running room is absolutely packed. And you're right. Right now, it is packed. They obviously have J.K. Dobbins, who when he is fully healthy, I think he is going to be the top dog on that team. And J.K. Dobbins can be a workhorse for you. They've got Gus Edwards as well, but you've got a chance where his contract isn't up next season, but he is guaranteed money, I think goes down to right around a million, and his cap hit goes up to, I think, 5.5 from four or four and a half that it is this year. So if you're not using him a ton, or if guys behind Gus Edwards, start playing really well, you might be able to save a handful of cap you, cap space. You might be able to save about four, four million if you cut them. So you got to think of that. Mike Davis, who is another running back there, only signed a one-year deal. Yeah, Justice, gap. Justice Hill is in the final year of his rookie contract, and it really has not been a lot of noise about him. And then you got Tyler Beatty, who Tyler Beatty went from having 200 total rushing yards in 2020 to 1,600 in 2021 including ending the year with two out of three of his final games rushing for over 200 yards i think this dude's good and i think there is a situation where if the ravens got to move some money around edwards could be gone justice hill could be gone mike davis could be gone yeah and jk dobbins is still going to be the guy there but tyler Beatty might have a really fast track to the rb2 role in this team because remember this too guys Tyler Beatty, before he took over, Larry Roundtree was there at, at Missouri, and he was the number one running back. So the only way that Tyler Beatty really got on the field was in the passing game. He was already that explosive pass-catching third down back for about two to three years at Missouri before he became the full-time back and rushed for over 1,600 yards. So this dude brings a lot of potential and experience on all three downs. A lot of production last year on the early down work, so... It's right there for him, man. I wanted to piggyback off your Jerome Ford point because yeah. I think it's a good one, and people should definitely look out for that. But if, you, if you're if you drafting in like a dynasty draft or it's a super deep fantasy draft, and you're like, okay, I need somebody who is like who's – who's another Jerome Ford? If you ask me, Tyler Beatty. He's in a situation where he could really benefit from that. It's a great argument. You're looking for run-heavy teams that are efficient running teams – that there's a domino effect that they might be the number four guy now but if you could just wait a year they have a fast track to being the number two guy and i know guys always say oh well then you got to deal with 2023's draft and then being replaced as the backup but i I don't know i think it's it's we're looking at value right now these guys are borderline irrelevant in the dynasty world and there's a situation where they they have significant relevance 2023 uh, with where they went. So I'm sticking with your team there, the Ravens. And I'm looking at the tight end position in Charlie Kohler. I just, okay, I think this nice. team has told us what they want to be. And the Hollywood Brown trade was kind of the final, like, here's my cards. Let me flip them around and show them to you. They want to be a two to three tight end set team, whether it's 13 personnel, whether it's 12 personnel. They want to load the field with tight ends. They want to punch you in the mouth. They want to run the football. And they are going to throw to their tight ends. And you look at their roster with Lamar Jackson. And you see it. And you go, Mark Andrews is one of the best tight ends in football. And they paid him. He's not going anywhere for a long time. Nick Boyle is quietly one of the better blocking tight ends in football. But is a non-factor as a pass catcher. 
Charlie Kohler entering this equation is going to make them very hard to defend when they go to their team personnel. Because if you dedicate so much attention to Mark Andrews, Charlie Kohler is going to have the matchup opportunities at a position that they know how to scheme the ball to. The quarterback knows how to get the ball there. I look at Kohler at that six foot six frame, the big catch radius. Lamar Jackson's going to like him in the red zone. Totally. I'm not even looking at this one, Trev, as, you know, Andrews has to get hurt and then Charlie Kohler is going to explode. I never want to wish an injury on a guy. It would be great if Charlie Kohler turns into this guy that explodes onto the scene. I think this is an Eagles situation when they had Ertz and Goddard mm -hmm. that Charlie Kohler can be what Goddard was when he was a number two. That's the kind of pass catcher he is in an offense that doesn't really care about wide receiver, whether that's right no, or they're, wrong. They're, they're pretty tight end centric in where the ball's going. They're tight end centric. So I, I was a big fan of Charlie Kohler, the player. I thought where they got him was really good value. And this is an offense that is going to put his skill set as a pass catcher on a pedestal. I like it. I like to fit on draft night. So I'm totally, I'm totally echoing what you got there. It's, it's definitely a tight end centric offense. You could definitely see that. My final guy, speaking of a guy who might have a lot of targets to, to, to go around for him to be able to claim, Kalo Shakir, I'm going to stay in Buffalo or I'm going to go back to Buffalo and I'm going to talk about the Boise statewide receiver who went later than I thought to the Buffalo Bills here. You look at Buffalo's stats last year. Stefan Diggs, he had 164 targets, obviously, because he's Stefan freaking Diggs. Gabe Davis had 63 targets, okay? You figure that that's probably going to go up a little bit yep. this upcoming year. Cole Beasley had 112 targets. Emmanuel Sanders had 72 lot. targets. Both of those guys are not on the team anymore. Wow. They're vacating more targets than what they gave to Stefan Diggs. Now, they're going to, I think, distribute that in a little different ways, right? We talked about how James Cook could get more looks as a third-down pass-catching uh, running back. I mentioned Gabe Davis is probably going to get more looks as he is ascending and showing that he finished the year really strong as a, as a big time wide receiver threat on that team. I liked Austin Knox, but he yep. got 71 targets last year. How much more is he going to get? Well, they throw the, you know, what out of the ball? They just drop back and throw it all They're the gonna time. Throw. They're going to throw the ball, man. Khalil Shakir is going to be able to step in right away and vacate a lot of those slot targets. Now on the depth chart, They've got Jamison Crowder, but they only signed Jamison Crowder to a one-year deal. They have Isaiah McKenzie, but they had Isaiah McKenzie last year, and McKenzie got, what was it, 26 targets, okay? So, like, clearly he wasn't a big factor for them there either. I think they have Jake Kumro as well, which they added from uh, from San Francisco. I just, I just see such an easy road to Khalil Shakir getting a lot of action in this offense even early on, like even right away. Everybody's going to talk about Gabe Davis. Everybody's going to talk about Stephon Diggs, of course. But if you are looking for a sleeper kind of player who might even be a threat in some redraft formats, Shakir's the guy, especially if you're in a dynasty draft format. I'd look into him. I'd take a fly on him. You mentioned it. The Buffalo Bills are just going to be chucking the football this year. They really are because that is where their strength is. Their strength is when Josh Allen has the ball in his hand. Kalo Shakir has, for the last three years at Boise State, been the guy. He understands it. He knows what it's like to be used on the outside in the slot when the team needs you in the first quarter, when they need you in the third quarter, the fourth quarter, the whatever. It doesn't matter. Kalo Shakir has been the guy for the Boise State Broncos. I don't think he's going to walk into the NFL and be overwhelmed or confused or uh, uncomfortable with the situation. In fact, I think that he's going to be able to step in hopefully right away. I'd love to see him start to produce right away, but at least I think first couple of years of his contract, man, he's got a really great chance to earn some of those targets in Buffalo and be a major factor of that offense.
Yeah, and there's there's opportunity there where at, when Crowder, you know, is Crowder's on the one year deal, so Crowder after this year will be out of his way. You even got to look really far ahead to these things sometimes and go, man, what if Gabe Davis is just so good for them that? Oh yeah, after when, when's Gabe Davis? Contract? He's only got two years left. Mm. What if, if and not to you know Bills fans, this is a good problem to have. This isn't a bad course, problem to right, have. Right. Gabe Davis is so good in this pass centric offense with an alien quarterback. Somebody's gonna lie. You could trade him. You could. Somebody's gonna give him a bag. Whatever. Maybe Shakur is the future number two there. You never know. Being the number three in that offense is like being the number two in most offenses. Is the point. All right, my honorable mention here. Yeah, we we can throw we we need to throw one more out there. Yeah, quick one. Zamir White. Um, I've seen him go really late. Man, I don't know if people don't know this. The Raiders did not pick up the fifth-year option on Josh Jacobs. Kenyon yes. Drake is going to be there for one more year. I I really believe this. I think Zamir White is going to be the 1A back in Vegas in 2023. And if you can stomach waiting for that one year, I, I don't know how that's not worth like a third or a fourth round no-brainer kind of selection. Like... There is such a pathway for Zamir White in a Josh McDaniels offense to be Damian Harris that you just have to draft him knowing this year you're stashing him most likely. But that is like that is a stock that's like that's a big time stock in my opinion. So I wanted to get Zamir White on the show because the Raiders, man, I I. I'd be floored if they paid Josh Jacobs after not picking up that option. And, you know, you, shoot, that's the, if you're, if you're on jock market and you, you've got some Samir white stock and you're holding on to it long-term, I think that's, that's what you're hoping for. There is, is them moving on from Jacobs and letting Samir white be the guy. But dude, I, I, I even talked about this on draft night. I think that it's, it's a great pairing, even with Josh Jacobs. Good point. Who's banked takes, up a lot. Right, and it takes the load off of him, man. And he was great at Alabama when he was in a rotation. You can keep him fresh. You could let him do some work on third downs, right? And I think that she, Samir White could be the 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 1A next year, maybe. Easily. Depends. Depends. Depends how they want to use him. Depends how quickly he he catches up to things. My shout-out is, is Hassan Haskins, the running back from Michigan, who went to the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Titans are obviously going to run their entire offense through Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry is ever to get hurt, which he did it's last happened year, before. they have to turn to somebody else. Last year it was Dante Foreman, and he is not there anymore. He got 133 carries. Dontrell Hilliard was the other guy. He is still there. Adrian he got, Peterson he experiment. He only got 56 carries. Adrian Peterson was there. Jeremy McNichols was there. I don't think McNichols is there anymore either. It's literally just Hassan Haskins behind Derrick Henry. It's kind of crazy. So... We're looking at a situation where is this guy ever going to be RB1 on the Tennessee Titans, barring an injury to Henry? No. However, just like we handcuff Ezekiel Elliott with Tony Pollard all the time, right? Like it's it's kind of a, I don't want to say totally similar situation because Pollard's going to play a lot more, but you're you're stashing the guy who's behind him, knowing that if that person in front of them gets hurt, you might you might have an RB1 behind you. Alexander right? Madison. Somebody, Alexander Madison's another That's guy. That's who like he that. is. Kareem Hunt's another guy like that, right? So those are guys who are proven in the league. Hassan Haskins haven't even played a year yet. So I don't want to get I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, but you look at this depth chart, there's nobody there. And you think they Henry, have a type at running back? <laughs> I think they have I think they have a type along the entire roster. 
It is just I, Mike Vrabel <laughs> players. That's what I think it is. Are That's you lar- are you large and in charge? <laughs> then you can play for Mike Vrabel. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. Mike Vrabel asked these guys, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Chipotle orders that we got before the draft simply came from the Tennessee Titans combine question and answer portion of them having Carl Loftus. Yeah. Vrabel would Vrabel was just like but yeah, Vrabel was just like, all right, what's your uh, what's your Chipotle order? And Carl Loftus went triple steak, white rice, and and, and Vrabel was like, I'm triple gonna stop rice. you right there. I'm like, I'm gonna stop you right there. You make it to us, we're drafting you. Yeah, Which we I might we might come up and get play. you. <laughs> yeah, triple rice. I'm in. Holy hey, there crap. we go. Those are a handful crap. of guys that we're giving the shout outs to. I went with uh, Kenneth Walker. Not that this is a uh, mock draft format, but I gave a shout out to Kenneth Walker, John Mechie, James Cook, Khalil Shakir, Tyler Beatty, and Hassan Haskins. And then Connor gave a shout out to Isaiah Spiller, Jalen Tolbert, Romeo Dubs, Jerome Ford, Charlie Kohler, and Zamir White. Those are. You know, we were going to give you guys 10, but uh, instead we gave you 12 because we love you so much. Those are 12 players who, if you're into dynasty leagues or if you're into just like looking ahead, who could be the next man up for a lot of these teams. Those are a handful of names to know. But we don't love you enough to not go on vacation. So That's true. <laughs> so we should probably tell you that now. <laughs> so true. Trevor and I uh, are both going on vacation at the same time. Didn't and plan that. that. We're not we going to the same. We we're didn't not, plan. Not it. going to the same place. Didn't plan. Not, it. No, no. Uh, we are going way off the grid, though. The both of us, and it'll only be for a week, so you'll be fine. You'll. It'll be one week without the stock exchange. We'll be back on Monday the thirtieth, and I believe we will be back for the rest of the summer. So if you could just stomach this one week without stock exchange. Yep. We're not going to have any time off from episodes after that, counting summer into the season. Um, I don't even know when the next time would be that there wouldn't be stock exchange. So this was ironically, we both planned vacations when we both sat down to map out the summer schedule. We were like, I'm off. I'm going away the 23rd too. I, and I think there, I think there might be a couple of shows where like you might be off like it or I guess might be off of it, but, but there's we, always going to be shows. Right. Right. This, this is, is like, right. <laughs> you and I might not be able, you might not be able to get through to us on a cell phone right now is what I'm saying at the same time. I hope not. I hope I ho- not. Yeah, I hope not as well. So but, we are go ahead, admittedly go ahead. excited, but, you know, a little sad. We'll be, uh, we will be firing 120 miles an hour when we're back Monday the 30th, and we get the English muffin responses. Oh, Lord have mercy. I can't wait to read all the comments on that. But, uh, yeah, we're t- so we're, we're taking next week off, but just give you guys a little, little teaser. When we return, that Monday that we return, we're doing – we are doing – the mock draft Monday format is dueling, which means me drafting my full team versus Connor drafting his full team. Best players under 25 up against each other. We're going to try to make the best roster. And then you guys got to tell us who would win if we lined up against each other. And then that Thursday, summer scouting, baby. We're diving right into it. June is rolling around. We are starting with the quarterback position. Bryce Young. Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Tyler Van Dyke, Spencer Rattler, everybody, man. Jake Hayner. I like – there's so many players that we're going to get to, and we're starting off with summer scouting at the beginning of June. Dude, I cannot wait for it. I can't wait. I admittedly this week watched my first player of the 2023 I saw, I saw draft. Clips. I saw you clips. I started with Will Anderson, the chalkiest start to a draft season I've ever had. Um but that's a, you got to watch the, the guy everybody's going to be talking about first. And 
I have a lot of takes. I'm not going to spoil them right now. I have a lot of takes, a lot of good takes, a lot of takes also that people will be like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm fired up and ready to go. But we will start with the quarterbacks. We will get to the pass rushers eventually. You and I will be building a board that ends this summer of scouting mm-hmm. after we do every position group. So if you are yep. ready to start this damn process all over again with mock drafts sprinkled in between, not every show is going to be summer scouting. You will get one summer scouting episode a week. The other show is always going to be a draft format, as Trevor said. Yep. Dude, this is... Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's cool to kind of finally breathe after the couple months we had where we were firing on all cylinders and it was awesome. But I think it's this is going to be really good for the show. Yeah, and we're going to do, you know, we talked about this in our production meeting as well, just to be super transparent with you guys. We are going to start implementing some mailbag and fan yeah. questions and everything every single week. So what we'll do is since we're only doing two shows a week, what we'll probably do is make them a little bit longer. So those Thursday sun, summer scouting episodes for every position that we do will probably devote a good hour, hour 15, maybe even hour and a half, depending on how many guys we want to get to. We'll devote that time to summer scouting. And then we will probably at the end of every show have four or five questions that we take from you guys, either from iTunes yep. or Twitter or something like that to allow you to get into the show. And of course, allow us to have some fun um, every single week, whether it's the question of the days or the, the, the mailbags or the mock draft formats or whatever. It's going to be a fun summer. Uh, we will miss you guys on vacation, but we won't miss you too much. We will be back before you Just know enough. We'll be back on that Monday. Just enough to get us back into the chairs for that following Monday uh, to get everybody excited for a dueling mock draft that I I have a feeling I have a feeling it's gonna get pretty heated. Because there, there's, oh. there's, there are players that we are going to fight over, and there's strategy to implement, which guys to go after first, all of that. Man. Do we need a special guest referee? We oh, don't, we but we, we might. We might. We might only, need a, we might need only a third if party they team. dress up in the As WWE ref. referee gear. That's <laughs> oh, the only the way they're allowed. WWE on. referee. <laughs> I will, so we'll ask if uh, we'll ask the PFF team if they can book that for us. Can you contact? Uh, World Wrestling Entertainment and now ask that you're, for a ref. Now that, you're, now that you're saying it, Austin's the only one who could really do it because he's got the mustache, he's, right? He, he it's, unca- it's uncanny. It's perfect. Austin would slide in and people would think we got someone from the WWE <laughs> Referee Association. <laughs> and he would own it. We'll think about it. We'll, think, we'll about think about it. We'll think about it on vacation. We will see you guys after that. Thank you for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange. I'm Trevor. That's Connor. We'll see you guys next time.